welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the fifth Sunday in Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, constantly accomplish the Paschal mystery within us, that those you are pleased to make new in holy baptism may under your protective care bear much fruit and come to the joys of eternal life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When Saul got to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They could not believe he was really a disciple. Barnabas, however, took charge of him, introduced him to the apostles, and explained how the Lord had appeared to Saul, and spoken to him on his journey, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Saul now started to go round with them in Jerusalem, preaching fearlessly in the name of the Lord. But after he had spoken to the Hellenites and argued with them, they became determined to kill him. When the brothers knew, they took him to Caesarea and sent him off from there to Tarsus. The churches throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria were now left in peace, building themselves up, living in the fear of the Lord and filled with the consolation of the Holy Spirit. The Word of the Lord I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and shall have their fill. They shall praise the Lord, those who seek him. May their hearts live forever and ever. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. All the earth shall remember and return to the Lord. All families of the nations worship before him. They shall worship him, all the mighty of the earth. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. And my soul shall live for him, my children serve him. They shall tell of the Lord to generations yet to come, declare his faithfulness to peoples yet unborn. These things the Lord has done. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. A reading from the first letter of St. John. My children, our love is not to be just words or mere talk, but something real and active. Only by this can we be certain that we are the children of the truth and be able to quieten our conscience in his presence, whatever accusations it may raise against us. Because God is greater than our conscience and he knows everything. My dear people, if we cannot be condemned by our conscience, we need not be afraid in God's presence, and whatever we ask of him, we shall receive, because we keep his commandments and live the kind of life that he wants. His commandments are these, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ, and that we love one another as he told us to. Whoever keeps his commandments lives in God, and God lives in him. 
we know that he lives in us by the spirit that he has given us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Live in me and let me live in you, says the Lord. My branches bear much fruit. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears no fruit he cuts away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes to make it bear even more. You are pruned already by means of the word that I have spoken to you. Make your home in me, as I make mine in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit all by itself, but must remain part of the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever remains in me, with me in him, bears fruit in plenty. For cut off from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is like a branch that has been thrown away. He withers. These branches are collected and thrown on the fire, and they are burnt. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask what you will, and you shall get it. It is to the glory of my Father that you should bear much fruit, and then you will be my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So in the Gospel today, Jesus gives us this incredible image. I am the vine. You are the branches. Throughout the Gospels, um, Jesus speaks to his disciples in parables and images. um, And these help them, help us, right, to plumb the depth of the relationship that's established between us and him between God and the church. Now, I suppose some of the images are more readily understood than others, right? Last week we heard, I am the good shepherd. Um, Fairly self-explanatory, I guess. Christ is the one who tends and cares for his flock. He's the one who binds up the wounded. He's the one who leads and who guides. He keeps us safe and protects from the wolf. Christ says, I'm the light of the world. And again, I suppose, you know, the meaning is fairly apparent. He's the one who enlightens that which is darkened and obscure. He's the one who gives new vision and, you know, the capacity to perceive reality with clarity. But here in this gospel passage, you know, our Lord describes something which really, when you stop and think about it, is pretty startling. I am the vine, you are the branches. And he goes on to say... Make your home in me as I make mine in you. Think about the intimacy of that image. I mean, you know, we look at a vine and we don't sort of go, oh, well, here's the bit that's called the vine and here's the bit that's called the branch. You know, it forms one organism. It has one life. And... All right, you can look at the trunk and then look at the branches and follow them all the way to the tips. Uh, But there's one life which pulses through 
the whole. It's pretty amazing when you consider that that's the way that Jesus describes our relationship with him. So if you are ever tempted to think that Christ was just you know, one great figure among others in history, then this phrase immediately puts an end to that notion. I mean, could you imagine even the most admirable of historical figures using this kind of language? Like, abide in me, said Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I am the vine, you are the branches, said Martin Luther King Jr. Cut off from me, you can do nothing, said Aristotle. No, Jesus is pointing to himself as the source of life, as much as the trunk of a vine is the source of life for the branch. So we're shaken out of the temptation merely to look towards Christ as one among others, or, you know, merely as a source of inspiration or a kind of moral guide. This isn't the relationship that he establishes with his people. Jesus isn't just a model or an example. He's the crown. He's the foundation. He's the source of life. A branch connected to the vine has life, precisely because of its union with the source. The single organism of the vine, it's got one life pulsing through it. The sap which extends throughout the vine and branches and spreads all the way to the end. It's truly one living vine, uniting many parts. And the upshot is that the branches live by the same life which pulses through the whole vine. I mean, I say, you know, pulses through the vine. We know a vine doesn't have a pulse, but (laughs) you get my point, right? Well, all right. So when we apply this analogy, we discover something truly surprising. If Christ is the vine and we are the branches, then the life which runs through Christ is the life which pulses through those who are in union with him. And what's the kind of life that Christ possesses? It's the life of God. It's the life of the Son of the Father. It's eternal life. I am the vine, I am the source, I am the ground and foundation. And you are the branches. You are the ones who share in my life and who live thereby. We're grafted onto the one true vine and we receive this new kind of life. We receive a new creation. We receive the life that pulses through Christ, the very life of God. And so, you know, this leads St. Paul to declare to the Galatians, you know, in an almost ecstatic tone, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life of the branch is the life of the vine. So my life now, it has a new center. I've got a new home. There's... No longer my ego, my selfishness, but only him. I'm no longer isolated in my own interiority, but I now make my home in him. He's where I live, and I live in him. 
The Lord is my shepherd, he is my light, but he is also my vine. He's the source of the new life given to me in baptism. I share in his life, and that life which is risen has conquered death. So this is the relationship that's established between us and Christ. Grafted upon the vine, my life is now transformed. He abides in me and I abide in him. This is an intimate and enduring presence. You don't just have flashes of Christ's presence. No, just as the branch is part of the vine and doesn't, you know, sort of flit in and out of union with the vine, so too I am united to Christ. This union of branch and vine, it's not momentary or occasional. It's constant and living and dynamic. And so in the midst of this amazing reality, Jesus asks us to do something intentional, right? To do something on purpose. We're grafted upon the vine by our baptism. That's true. But we must carry into this reality the force of our own free will. And so Jesus says to us, he says, right, make your home in me. That's something that we do on purpose. That's something that we do intentionally. And so I need to carry with me the great desire to be with him and in him. I need to make my home in him and welcome his indwelling within me. I need to remain with my Lord, with my friend, with the source of my life. I need to abide in him. Well, up until this point, we've sort of said that this invitation from Christ means a free and conscious welcoming of his presence within our lives. Yeah, we're baptized and we're grafted onto the vine, but we're not just, you know, an inert piece of wood. We're human beings and we've got free will. We've got an intellect. We've got a heart with which to love. And so we, you know, employ all of these to truly become a free and wholehearted part of the vine to welcome the indwelling of Christ in our hearts. So, Jesus says, make your home in me as I make mine in you. But here's the thing, this isn't just an internal act. It's got consequences. Being a branch grafted upon the vine isn't just a passive function. We're also told to bear fruit. The branch is grafted upon the vine not simply for its own flourishing, but for an overflowing fruitfulness which extends beyond the health and life of the individual branch. In other words, we're to live not simply for our own sake, but for something greater. This image of the vine and the branches places us in a greater context. Our life comes to us through Christ, not merely for the sake of our own flourishing, but for a superabundance that causes the branch to be fruitful. So what does it mean then to remain in Christ? To truly be fruitful? Well, in the first place, it means to remain faithful to the gospel which we have received. 
to be docile to the living word of God as it forms us. St. Paul reminds the Corinthians, you know, he says, the gospel will save you only if you keep believing exactly what I preached to you. Believing anything else will not lead to anything. So, persevering in this faith means persevering in the greatest commandment, to love God with all our hearts, minds and strength, and to love our neighbours as ourselves. Mutual love is what keeps us grafted on the vine. Mutual love, which is the fruit of faith, is the sure sign that Christ abides in us and that we abide in him. Love is the outward evidence that the vine, Christ himself, is the central principle of my life, the cause, the movement of all of my choices. And in this way, we too can proclaim with St. Paul, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live in faith, faith in the Son of God who loved me and who sacrificed himself for my sake. So, how do I abide in him? How do I make my home in him? Through faith and through love. Both of which are opposed to the simple idea that I am the highest goal and the purpose of my existence. I cannot live the life of the vine. I cannot live the life of God and continue along the path of egocentrism, of making myself the heart of my own existence. The centre of my life, my dwelling place, it's in him. And this makes me fruitful. A branch which isn't fruitful isn't a healthy branch. And in the same way, a life which is not lived in love, which is lived for its own sake and ends, is certainly not fruitful and ultimately not healthy. So here's the paradox. How do you thrive? Don't make yourself the centre of your own life. How do you become truly fruitful? Live in love. Let's face it, this is a pretty countercultural message. And I don't think that's anything especially to do with our culture. I think it's always been countercultural because, you know, our world is always shaped by fallen humanity, by that belief that my happiness comes from the fulfillment of my greatest desires for power, pleasure, money, for honour and esteem. If I can just get enough of that, I'll be fully alive. No, says Jesus, to be fully alive is to be grafted onto the vine, to receive a share of the divine life which comes from Christ, that life which is love. So how do we do it? Live in him and let him live in us. Thanks for praying with us and may God bless you abundantly so that this day may give glory to God the Father.